strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time on a Thursday morning with us. Had an interesting conversation um, this morning, just after 9 o'clock, with the superintendent of public schools, uh, Tom Horn, uh, regarding uh, different things in education. He obviously, it's it's kind of we flipped offices. We had a Republican governor for eight years, and for four years we had a Democrat in charge of the Department of Education in uh, Kathy Hoffman, and those roles reversed. We now have a Republican in the Department of Education and a Democrat in the governor's office. And how will those two offices work together? So I asked him about are there common goals? Are there places where they find commonality between him and the governor? He gave a very interesting answer. Here's a part of it. I arranged a meeting with the governor before before she took office. And my, my message was that uh, we have a common interest. If our schools improve, it's good for her and it's good for me. And if they don't improve, it's bad for her and it's bad for me. So we have a lot of conference, uh, common interest to work together to improve the school as much as we can because they're in a, in a grim state right now with two-thirds of students not proficient in math and 60% not proficient in reading. Interesting, you know, interesting idea, the common goals there, the common, the common, the commonality of that, where the direction they need to head. And he then reminded me that when he was the superintendent of public schools before, and he had done this job before about 20 years ago, I mean, not quite that long, um, that the governor then was also a Democrat. The last time I served as superintendent for eight years, Janet Napolitano was the governor. She was a Democrat. And we worked together. Uh, for example, her first initiative was all-day kindergarten. I thought that was a good idea, so we went down together, made it a bipartisan proposal. We got Republican votes, and it passed. So, And so he says he's used to working with them. And so I asked him about the shift. Are there going to be major shifts in the office in policy? And he talked about academics, which I was very encouraged to hear. Those low test scores sometimes are blamed on COVID, but they were bad before COVID. The numbers at that time were proficiency were 41% and 41%. So we still had almost 60% of the kids not proficient in math or reading even before COVID. And I believe this was due to a lack of focus on academics and and a contrary focus on distractions uh, such as critical race theory, social emotional learning. And see, I would agree with him again, and it doesn't matter what those other two curriculum. Again, I talked about we argue about value in those things. Um, It's interesting because – we all understand prioritization, and if you are going to be successful at something, I think companies do this to a certain extent. When you see a company that begins to flounder, leadership, I think most organizations have a mission statement. I know we do for the show, and we, we talk about making sure that we're hitting these elements. If it doesn't fit here, we don't want to do it. We want to make sure that we are trying to be what we are and that we give the audience that tunes into us what they expect from us every single day, and I don't care if if you're a Starbucks or you're a, uh, selling food or you're whatever you're doing as a corporation or as an individual or whatever it is in the public, that there's a mission statement and everybody is kind of moving in that direction. And when you see companies and organizations begin to flounder a little bit, a lot of times it's because they've moved away from a little bit what their intentions are, what their goals are of what they're uh, what they're supposed to be doing. And um, I, I will say that in Arizona education, I think that's the case very much. 
much. I think that whether you believe some of these things are not even happening in schools or if you think they're 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 valuable in some way, I don't know how you could prioritize them at the same level you prioritize the core education, STEM education, where kids are learning math skills and reading skills and the core skills they'll need to read for the rest of their lives. I would go as far as to say to you that until we get a much higher than 50% level in reading at the third grade level, kids should be focusing on very little else, that there shouldn't be anything outside of the core curriculum for kids until they're learning other things. It's like saying you can't have your dessert until you finish your dinner. Um, You've got to focus on the job at hand. You've got to do the important things first. And we aren't doing that in Arizona. Um, And so he talked about teachers, which was interesting, um, and that teachers need to get back to teaching their subjects. A number of them have complained to me that they haven't been able to do that because they're forced to do uh, distractions during class period, uh, including what they describe as playing dumb games as part of social emotional learning. We have to get rid of all those distractions. We have to get the emphasis back on academics, and that is the number one difference that that we're going to have with our new administration. And I do think that that's going to help with some teacher retention. I've said to you before, as we've talked about teacher retention, yes, it is about money, but he did point out that the number one thing that is when teachers leave the profession, that uh, salary or compensation is number two. The number one reason why they leave is they don't feel supported by administration. That's an interesting statistic. And I've mentioned before, teachers, if you're a history teacher, chances are it's because you love history. Um, You have to go through a lot of education and history to become a teacher. Then, you you know, it's 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 a subject that you love. And if you're a math teacher and um, they should be allowed, they should not just be allowed. They should be told that you're here to teach math, teach math. Your personal politics shouldn't come into this, all of these other things, because they are a distraction. That doesn't mean they're not valuable. Parents should be teaching those values at home. The the things that go on in the classroom are to fill children's minds with the ability to learn. The idea of creating a critical thinker. Um, You know, my my kids, the, the girls are very different from each other. They're very different from me. I've got one that is fairly apolitical and doesn't have much of a political opinion whatsoever. I've got another one that's fairly liberal. And they both grew up under the same roof. They grew up with me. I don't care what they believe. I want them to know why they believe what they believe. I want them to be able to defend what they believe. I want them to be able to convey a thought based on the things they take in and be able to discuss this in a rational way with people. That's what we should want from kids. They will figure it out if we give them the tools to figure it out. Um, One of the other things that I asked the superintendent about was about ESAs, about the expansion of the voucher program and whether he agrees with it or not. He said he does agree with it. He thinks it's going to be good for schools, and he believes it forces them to, to focus on academics. You know, we're hearing people fearful that that the, the vouchers will take students away from uh, the district schools. They don't want that. In order to prevent that, they're going to have to do a better job of focusing on academics and producing results, and that's really good for everyone. 
the last thing I'll talk about that he we we discussed was about discipline. This is the other part of it. Um, I have heard from teachers, and I'm not going to say a huge number of teachers, but I have heard from teachers, especially at the high school level, that are afraid that there are there are kids in school where the inmates are running the asylum, where there are kids that are kind of running the show, and they're scary kids. They're not just bullying other kids. There are teachers that are a little bit nervous that the discipline in schools because you can't hurt a kid's feelings. I'll tell you very honestly from a student that was a bad student. I wasn't a bad kid. I was a friendly kid. I was the class clown, but I was a bad student. I was a distracting student because I just didn't care myself about school. Um, And I was a distraction that I was asked to leave high school. You know, if a kid doesn't want to be there, the school should be catering to the students that are there for an education. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't try to help kids along. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't try to be encouraging kids to become better students. But if students are not there to learn, but more importantly, if they are there being a distraction to those that want to learn, they should go away. They should go to a different school. They should be put in a separate classroom. That Whatever it takes to make sure that the children that are there to learn have every opportunity at a solid education in a safe environment and the teachers as well. So I agree with what he had to say on all the fronts he talked about today. What we're going to do in a moment is we do something at 1120 every day called Did You Hear This? <laughs> Followed by our discussion with the Speaker of the House. So we'll get to those things next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Time to catch up on the big news of the day. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Superintendent of Public Instruction Tom Horn talks with you today about how the Empowerment Scholarship account will drive competition between schools. You know, we're hearing people fearful that that the, the vouchers will take students away from uh, the district schools. They don't want that. In order to prevent that, they're going to have to do a better job of focusing on academics and producing results. And that's really good for everyone. How does competition drive achievement? Competition drives achievement like it does everywhere else. I think parents want their kids to be in neighborhood schools. It makes sense to be in a school that's close to your neighborhood for sports, for the, you know, all the extracurricular activities and for everything else. It makes sense that your kids, that they go to school with the same kids that they play with in the neighborhood. Everybody wants that. But if the school is underperforming and your student, your child is going to do better in another environment, parents should have that freedom. And so when the local schools want to be able to keep those kids in those seats, they have to provide something that the parents say is adequate for their child's education. It's like that with restaurants. It's like that with everything else in life that competition breeds excellence, and I think it's going to do that in this case. Here's just a headline very quickly. Study shows that number of students chronically absent jumped significantly in the state of Arizona. These are the kinds of things that are holding kids back in their education. We've got to get these things sorted out, and this school choice, I think, is one tool that might just do that. President Biden commented on the new Consumer Price Index report. Inflation is now at its lowest level since October of 2021. When we look at the, just the last three months, we see that inflation fell to 1.8% on an annualized basis. Can the government help speed up the process of lowering inflation? Yeah, what they're doing is they're trying to slow down the economy to make that happen. I think that they are using some of the tools that are at their disposal to do that thing. We've got to stop pushing money into the economy as well. We've got to stop the flow of money from the government as well in many cases. I think that will slow things down, but if you the 
numbers. Fuel oil is up 41.5%. Gas and utilities over 19%. Transportation, 14.6% year over year. It's good that inflation is slowing, but it's got to get down in that 2% range for people to be able to live the way they were before. And we've got to get there as quickly as possible. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day to catch you up on the big news stories. Arizona House Speaker Ben Toma says there is room for bipartisan cooperation. I do think that there are places where we do have common ground with, with the new governor. But, you know, details matter. And uh, and also tone matters when it, when it comes to engaging on some of those harder issues. How important will cooperation be during the next four years? It's going to be huge. You know, the Republicans have a one-seat majority in the House and a one-seat majority in the Senate. So keeping that caucus together is going to be important for them as a party. But it also means that there is such a huge number of Democrats, there's going to have to be cooperation in each chamber. And when you've got a Democrat with a veto power in the governor's office, you are going to have to get together in order to get things done, which means there's going to be give and take on both sides. I like what he said about tone. Tone does play a big role in this. If you're going to be adversarial publicly, it's going to be hard to be cooperative behind closed doors. I'm anxious to see what the tone is as this session goes on. President Biden also talked about the news that more classified documents were discovered. My lawyers reviewed other places where documents in my, uh, from my time as vice president, they discovered a small number of documents of classified markings and storage areas in file cabinets in my home and my personal library. What's worse, President Biden seeming to be unaware that he had these in his possession or the National Archives not realizing they were missing for about six years? You know, I don't know that either one of them is worse. I said earlier, I think that instead of the gotcha politics of Trump is worse or Biden is worse based on your political leanings or the FBI raid and we got you and all this, let's ask this question as a country. How common is this? We've got living presidents and living vice presidents. How many of them may have classified documents? And then we also have to ascertain how big of a security risk is this really? If it is a big security risk, it's got to be cleaned up. If there are punishments that need to be handed out, hand out the punishments. It does have, you know, there are headlines here after the raid at the Trump compound in Mar-a-Lago. Now there are many people on the right side of the aisle that are saying why did the story stay hidden or at least not come out until after the midterm elections. It looks like two sets of rules for people. But in the end, the American public needs to know that classified information remains in classified places where they are in secure locations and they shouldn't be floating around anywhere Republican or Democrat. We've got to get to the bottom of that and then talk about punishment. All right, that's Did You Hear This for another day. Great job as always, Julia. We'll do it again tomorrow at 1120. What we're going to do just after 1135 is reset our conversation with Speaker Ben Toma from the Arizona State Legislature in the House of Representatives. Uh, it was an interesting conversation about cooperative uh, efforts with the with the current governor and the, uh, I would say, the priorities of the House of Representatives and his stance on some very important issues. We'll talk about all of them next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app.
Hey, happy Thursday. I appreciate you spending some time with me on the show. I had a fascinating conversation with the Arizona Speaker of the House, Ben Toma, this morning. And we talked about, uh, you know, the difference with working now with a Democrat governor. Um, and so we're going to get into I want to get into some of the specifics of the conversation. But uh, Ben Toma was someone who authored, who was a big part of writing the tax cuts, the flat tax that's happened in Arizona, the dramatic reduction in taxes. He was also the author of the expansion of the ESAs or the empower it used to be called empowerment scholarship accounts to now education savings accounts which is now known as the voucher program for parents he was a big part of the expansion of education choice in Arizona that he called his baby in the interview um, so he is a fairly staunch conservative but a very reasonable man he is someone that's pretty uh, even tempered which I think has to be in that position and uh, he's leading this as speaker of the house so I asked him that uh, about where there was some common ground does he believe that there are some issues of commonality between the Republicans in the state legislature and the governor's office, who was a Democrat. I think one place that we definitely could see some uh, some some good work from both sides and some ability for us to move forward would be on the water issue, as as one example. Yeah, you know, the reports about water in the West Valley and a West Valley development that may be on hold because of the lack of 100 years worth of water that they can prove is there in the water table that they may have to find other options. I mean, there's a lot of different things here that are at play. And in Arizona, we know that it's become critical. Now, there is some relief possible. You know, if we have a strong winter, if we have a couple of years of that, we start to see some of the some of the reservoirs fill up again. That's that could be good news. We've had some good rain this year. We know what's happening in California. How much of that will stop some of this drought that's been going on for a long time. But there we know that water is a critical issue in Arizona that needs to be discussed and needs to be decided upon very, very quickly because I don't think that the growth in Arizona is going to slow down anytime soon unless it's forced to slow down by issues like this. So let's hope. Let's hope our growth continues to be managed properly and let's hope that it, it, we have the water that we need and that we're doing everything we can to make that happen. The other thing he said he was happy about was when the governor talked about border issues. I'm also heartened to hear that um, since since the governor did mention it in her state of the state address that uh, that now the they're going to be paying attention to what's going on at the border, and that's something that we've been for 100 percent, if you will, on the Republican side for for years now. And it is. It is uh, something that I think everyone is um, concerned about. It, again, it's a, one of those issues that's nonpartisan in Arizona, although there are some divides. There's extremes on both sides. But for the most part, residents of Arizona understand. We've got a, a former Democrat independent senator in Kirsten Cinema that's been very vocal about this administration and others that have done nothing about the border here in Arizona. But she's been very critical of the Biden administration and their handling of the border. Uh, senator Kelly has also been critical. Although not as vocal, but he's been critical of the Biden administration. And uh, we saw them lead a, a, a tripartisan, independent Republican and Democrat delegation to the border. So more attention federally being paid to that. But if we have a governor that's focused on what we can do, I think that would be terrific. So then we got into the topic of education because this, again, was he called it. He said it was his baby. The expansion of the voucher program in Arizona, which has expanded dramatically. Um, I want 
want you to hear a little bit of what he said about school choice. Now it's good for the state. First of all, Arizonans want school choice. It's a very different world than it was in 2017 and 2018. That's a that's a favorite talking point of the left. But um, especially post COVID, parents have, have demanded choice, and I don't think that giving parents choice is equivalent to being anti public education, which is a very tired cliche that is evidence free and that just doesn't turn out to be the case. And, and I agree with that. I think that the competition in school breeds excellence. I like the idea of charter schools being available, private schools now being more available, and families can, can take tax dollars to help offset tuition at private schools. If you have a student that is uh, suits is suited better for an atmosphere like that, that some parents that wouldn't have the financial means in the past will now have the financial means to have their child in a place like that. But also, we all want the neighborhood schools. It, it's interesting. I was just home. When I say home – the town I was raised in, this is home, but I was just in the town I was raised in for Christmas for a couple of weeks, and I drove through my old neighborhood, and it was called, it's called the Villas, it's still there, and we were known as Villas Kids, and we all still keep in touch. We all went to the same middle school. Most of the, I didn't move there in elementary school, but they went to Villas Elementary. We all went to Cypress Lake Middle School. We went to Cypress Lake High School. And you'd be amazed at how many of us still keep in touch with each other and fairly close contact with each other, although it may be on social media. There is still a big connection between people, and it goes back to those days of commonality on the grounds of the school and the neighborhoods we played in. I think it is inherent in families that if you live in a neighborhood, and your kids play in that neighborhood, that you want them to go to school in that neighborhood. It's that cohesive environment that people grow up in that we miss. So ideally, that's what people want, and I think they're going to keep it that way. But those local schools are going to have to achieve levels of excellence. Those local schools are going to have to do more so that parents see that their children can read and perform math skills or in a safe environment where the academics are the thrust. So I do think that it's going to do that. I want you to hear one last comment from the speaker when it comes to ESAs because he you know there was the comment by the governor that said it was going to bankrupt Arizona and here's how he's talked about it the DSA expansion will bankrupt the state uh, not only is that not true the exact opposite is true because the cost of the state to educate someone on an ESA is lower than it is to to educate them in any other uh, form so so this is simply not true and again parents want that opportunity and it actually is good for the state and it's essentially a win-win for everybody all the way around. Yeah, so I don't think that this is going anywhere fast. As a matter of fact, other places in the country are going to model themselves after Arizona. I think it's something that's worthwhile. I think it's very, very, very worthwhile. Um, and and it was an interesting conversation with the speaker, and there's more here. So the two interviews we did today, I hope you will go back on the podcast and listen to it, KTAR.com, or download the, the, the show podcast. Uh, the interesting with Tom Horn, the uh, superintendent of public instruction, but to talk taxes and schools and water and border with the Speaker of the House was an interesting conversation. I hope you'll go back and listen to both of those interviews. Maybe a little bit more from the Speaker, but we're going to talk about the new developments in the documents of the President. We'll talk about them next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Thanks so much for being here. The big news is that uh, a special counsel is being appointed to investigate documents found at the president's home. 
Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland made some statements we'll let you hear about in a few minutes. But if you want to head over to KTAR.com, there is a great story that is printed there that explains more of what's happening. But I want you to hear a little bit of this. This is Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, talking about the latest development. I am confident that Mr. Hur will carry out his responsibility in an even-handed and urgent manner and in accordance with the highest traditions of this department. He's talking about Robert Hur as the former Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Maryland. He'll lead the investigation taking over from the top Justice Department prosecutor in Chicago. Um, here's the interesting thing about this. I'm going to read a little bit of what this story says, and you tell me if this is bothersome to you. Um, that they made this discovery in December that these that these documents were found with classified marking in his personal library along with other documents found in his garage um, that these documents were found sometime in December that should be to me that is uh, disappointing that we're not finding out until January uh, some of these other documents were found I guess before the midterm elections we weren't told about it but let's let that go for a moment this is what the Attorney General says how important this is. This appointment underscores for the public the Department's commitment to both independence and accountability in particularly sensitive matters and to making decisions indisputably guided only by the facts and the law. And so let's hope that that's true. Now, who is the special counsel? I gave you a little description. He gives a little more as well. I'm here today to announce the appointment of Robert Herr as a special counsel pursuant to Department of Justice regulations governing such matters. And again, he was appointed by the former president. And so now what will he be asked to do? The document authorizes him to investigate whether any person or entity violated the law in connection with this matter. The special counsel will not be subject to the day-to-day supervision of any official of the department, but he must comply with the regulations, procedures, and policies of the department. So Biden told reporters at the White House that he was cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department investigation. He did not say when the latest series of documents were found, only that his lawyer's review of the potential storage locations was completed Wednesday night. Now, this is the interesting part. Lawyers found the first in a locked closet in the offices of the Biden Penn Center in Washington on November 2nd, just before the midterm elections, but publicly revealed that development only Monday. That's where I think a lot of people are going to be upset. We, you know, we've heard a lot about the Hunter Biden laptop story, how that was pushed down by the FBI, saying that it felt like Russian collusion and Russian misinformation, and that places like Facebook bought into that and they pushed those stories down as opposed to letting them be out there. Facebook said it was a big regret. We also know what happened with Twitter as well, and now we're seeing this. So, and I'm going to give you a perspective that maybe you don't subscribe to, but you had the FBI raid the house of the former president in a very public fashion. Very quickly after documents were removed from the former president's home, there were pictures released to social media of documents that were labeled classified and top secret. Although you didn't see the documents, you saw the folders with the with the classifications written on them. Those were released to the, prob- to the public in very short order. 
these were done November 2nd when the first round of these were found, and they weren't discussed until the middle of January. This is where people talk about two sets of rules based on party politics. These are the kind of things that need to be explained and need to be stopped because it does upset people when there's two sets of rules for different people. And whether that's the case or not, that is certainly the appearance. And that's what's going to be pushing people over the next couple of days. We're just about out of time. You're going to have more on this all day long at KTAR News. Keep it locked here. Social media users at Broomhead KTAR is my Twitter handle. At Broomhead Show is the Twitter handle of the show. It updates you on guests and other upcoming things on the show. And if you want to reach me via Instagram, Mike Broomhead, all one word. Let's keep in touch between shows. We'll be back tomorrow morning beginning just after 8 a.m. I hope you can join us for part of your day. And a big thank you for joining me for part of your day today. Until tomorrow, have a great one. God bless.